We're going to move on now here on Drilling Deep. It's been an interesting several months on the question of the legal status of independent contractors. It's actually been an interesting few years. I don't know how long you would date it, but certainly from my perspective, having from when I joined Freightways, if you start with the Dynamics decision, uh, some people call it Dynamics decision in California, that was, I believe, April 2018, and the subsequent AB5 law in that state, which grew out of the Dynamics case, um, that both have the hugely impactful ABC test to decide if a worker is an independent contractor or an employee. It has kept many, many lawyers very busy. And uh, as, as I've been covering this for Freightways, I keep waiting to find the definitive legal case that establishes the definition of an independent contractor. And I've started to realize that there is no case like that, and there probably never will be one. But we do want some clarity on this. So we're joined today to talk about these trends by Aaron Hageman. He is the CEO of Delivery Drivers, Inc., a California-based company that describes itself on its website as bringing human resource and driver management solutions to business owners operating with independent contractors. And Aaron, welcome to Drilling Deep. Hey, thanks for having me on, John. So so with all that's going on, uh, is an employer keeping an independent contractor defined is that going to be more difficult or easier or the same? Uh, my short answer to get us kicked off here today is that we are looking at more red tape, right? I think there's more awareness, more conversations around rights and benefits and all aspects of the independent contractor conversation. And uh, I think we are all, I've seen nothing but more and more red tape come over my 25-year career. I think we're going to see some more in the near future as well. Now, you're in California, and California, of course, passed AB5, but first it had some exemptions in the first go-around, then it had some more exemptions in the second go-around, and then it had Prop 22 to take out Uber drivers, Lyft drivers, DoorDash drivers, those type of contractors. So I would ask you two things. And, and then, of course, the other thing is truckers have been blocked from being under AB5 by a court injunction that may or may not hold. We're not really sure. Mm -hmm. So how impactful is AB5 in California at this point, given all the exemptions, given the fact that truck has been protected and given Prop 22? Well, I think it's a, a great question because uh, it means a lot in that it is a very high landscape issue on this. And it's very public. Um, it's a national conversation. And it's one of the first of its kind to find some degree of a middle ground between this previously black and white conversation or, or trying to be black and white conversation of employee versus independent contractor. There are many, many carve-outs, and I think this is going to be the premise of our conversation today, that whether we're talking federal versus state conversation or states within now how individual states manage this, the conversation is around 1099s, but there is always the applications of this conversation to our sector. So when we look at drivers or as Prop 22 defines it, you know, app based gig drivers, and that does apply to a lot of uh, conversations here, millions and millions of drivers. So it's very important. Um, but there are all kinds of carbons. I mean, we've seen the original versions of AB5 had what? Surgeons and real estate brokers and people of these nature, I often say, have had enough lobbyists in the early conversations to get their carbons. On yeah, there was there was no consistency in that list of carbats except no, there really who wasn't. Be, who managed to be blessed? Yeah, yeah, I, you know, we'll, we'll talk about blast or deep enough pockets, but right, regardless, um, I think it's a big enough model though that when we look at drivers in the 1099 conversation, because drivers goes across many many sectors from grocery to restaurants to rideshare to you name it, and we start to put 
1099 drivers or DDI focuses into the millions of and tens of millions of accounts across the country, we are absolutely going to see other conversations and evolutions of Prop 22. Um, so I think it's a very important piece. It's it's the first of its kind that's trying to find some degree of a first step towards the middle ground. All right. So you've got you've got a couple of states that are moving toward an AB5. You've got other states that are moving very clearly moving away from it. I know that you noted to me in a, in a earlier discussion that Massachusetts seems to be heading toward an AB5 and West Virginia just passed a, some a law that seems to give kind of more Prop 22 type of Correct, exemption. Yeah. So uh, I mean, fifty is it going to be fifty states and fifty different stories, or and, yeah. and are some states just not dealing with this yet? Yes, and, and and that's actually just to kind of back it up what the conversation and how the rules have always been structured. So in our country, and this is very specific to the United States because we've seen versions of this conversation in the UK recently with Uber and them over there. But staying on the United States, we have underlying federal rules, underlying federal laws, laws that have gone back and forth from Trump's version to Biden to versions of the PRO Act coming down and its versions of applications. And if a state wants, they can default to the underlying federal law. To this point, it has predominantly been the common law employment test or the 20-point test that we've known for years and years that many states would defer to. Prior to Dynamax, AB5, Prop 22, that's actually specifically what California did on this. So a long-winded way, John, to say yes. Um, I, I absolutely see a landscape right now where we have about 20%, maybe almost 30% of the states that have their own rules and said, we are choosing to do our own defined statutes that define 1099 workers in our state. Wisconsin and Oregon are two states that, for example, have had their own rules for years, well before this whole conversation, well before this whole conversation. Um, so our, our conversations at DDI basically forecast in the next few years, five to 10, I would anticipate two thirds of the states are pretty much going to lean on their own version of the rules while we're probably going to see a third of them fall back to whatever federal uh, standard is, is defined. Well, let's talk about the PRO Act, you know, prior to the um, uh, prior to its passage, of course, it's passed the House. I did see a little headline today that it's expected to get a vote in the Senate. Looks like it is. You know, among what I would call trucking Twitter and trucking social media, there was a fear. Well, that's it. You know, once once the PRO Act passes, uh, that's the end of the independent owner operator model. And that clearly was not the case. Uh, The PRO Act would have governed or set guidelines for the NLRB. But not as if that that means tomorrow you can't go out and hire an independent owner operator to move freight. What would be the impact of the PRO Act on a field like trucking? Uh, where the independent where independent drivers are such a key part of co- providing capacity. Again, another great question. It what it does is it provides federal backing that leads the NLRB conversation uh, towards that of the AVC model and away from the common law test. And and the common law guidelines have historically been perceived, you know, whether you're right or wrong, but perceived as easier to pass than the you know, ABC tests. And that's what the PRO Act does, is it puts in place for the NLRB purposes an ABC standard. And it is often perceived as broad and hard to pass because it could be openly perceived by aggressive adjudicators on the other side of this. So um, it provides a fundamental, if it were to pass, and if it were to pass the Senate, I believe the answer to your question is provide a fundamentally more rigid 
and uh, micromanaged landscape for the trucking space of 1099 workers. But it does not change. While the red tape is evolving, it doesn't change our ability as an industry to, to still lean on this contingent labor workforce to, to supplement the trucking needs. All right, so nobody's got to worry about losing their job as a result of it, but it's just it's another layer of red tape, as you said. That's, that's the key word here. More red tape, more confusion. I, can, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Okay, so let's let's talk about another development in Washington, and that was that the Trump administration put forth its rule on an independent contractor status uh, right before it left office. It announced it for, I think, a, originally a March implementation. Everybody kind of knew on day one that that was never going to see the light of day. You had to worry about, you know, I couldn't help but think about these poor bureaucrats. I hate to say bureaucrats. It sounds like I'm being dismissive. I'm not. I mean, these, you know, intelligent probably legal background people who spent hours and hours and weeks and days drawing this up only to know that it was never going to be law. And then that was yanked. Uh, and um, at first it was delayed until May, and then it was pretty much yanked completely in favor of what's coming next. And the Trump administration rule was seen as making it easier to uh, to uh, define a worker as an independent contractor. And the assumption is that the Biden rule will make it harder. Is that reasonable? And what do you think is coming down the pike from the Biden administration? Uh, again, I think what you're going to see is the general shift in support from the executive branch of the government towards one side of this argument or the other. At DDI, having done this for over 20 years, we've run this program <laughs> under the, the Clinton administration and Bush. And, and I remember versions of this conversation back in, you know, when Obama was coming into office from, you know, a, a left leaning, you know, supporting the worker, you know, pro W2 kind of stance. And it, you are going to see bills, you are going to see conversations around this side and, and the general momentum swinging this way. But the federal government doesn't really drive this conversation. California is a prime example that they're defining their own laws. And that's, you know, the central premise of the, the 50 states here. Uh, I really see, especially as this conversation comes more and more, you know, front page and, and relevant to all of us and in all of our various industries, uh, we're going to see more states say this is what we want for our constituents. It's it's ironic right now that Texas <laughs> is one state and the TWC is, you know, the administrative workforce behind most, you know, 1099 versus W-2 issues. Actually, right now, still the first federal government, which is typically counterintuitive of its stance on this. So personally, if you wanted my two cents, I wouldn't be surprised that to see that state as an example start to move towards, well, this is how we do it in Texas <laughs> and, and using their own standards. Well, OK, that's interesting. So an interesting point here is that the states are probably going to drive this, even though there's so much focus on the federal government. You, you mentioned Massachusetts. What is their AB5 law type law looking like? And I mean, has it passed? What's its status? You know, uh, it's actually still early going through the House, if I'm not mistaken, and it's up for the you know, ballot towards the end of the year. But what my understanding, and I candidly, I don't have it in front of me, but Massachusetts right now leans on its own version of an ABC test. So Massachusetts has, previous to this conversation, already deviated from the federal defined standard. And they use the more stringent ABC test because it's historically a very worker-friendly state. And as we see their version of AB5 coming through, it's codification. And the current lawmakers really putting a more thorough expansion on the previously uh, used ABC test. So, so basically, at the federal level, there was, or at the national level, there was often two tests used. 
the federal defined common law test or the ABC test. AB5 is California's version of ABC, and the bill on the board in Massachusetts is going to be their custom ABC bill. It will include the things, John, we talked about, unique carve-outs, things. And I will not be surprised. Look at the industries that are going to be prevalent to that state. You know, where where's the entertainment industry carved out in California yet for the 1099 space? A heavy, heavy sector of 1099 workers supporting that role, for example. So so this is what I really anticipate to see coming down the line in Massachusetts. Um, and again, a state historically that's pretty worker-friendly, you know, like Illinois and California and Hawaii and Washington. That's going to really try to look out for the you know position of the workers' rights advocates. Before I ask the next question, why don't you talk a little bit about your firm and what it does for its clients? Because I think my next question really we have to we have to do that first. We have to know a little bit more about your company. Uh, no, I appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah, um, you know, I'll give you the the high level pitch because uh, I talk a lot. <laughs> and the idea here is what we do at Delivery Drivers Inc. Uh, DDI is we are a special HR partner for 1099 drivers. It's really what it comes down to. So we are the back office with integrated tech platform, with an integrated tech platform uh, to help with onboarding, the accounting and tax relationship, and the risk management profile, insurance, injuries, you know, all of these things, uh, these three categories for the entire 1099 workforce. So we lead with 1099 compliance as the foundation of what we do. So we've done this for 25 years. We run the program nationally, and we currently have tens of thousands of drivers across the country and, and scaling up in all segments of last mile transportation. Again, automotive delivery, trans, uh, you know, restaurants, grocery, of course, general merchandise, you know, from retail partners. Everybody's in the last mile. So who hires you, the, the company that uses independent contractors or the 1099 workers themselves? It's a great question. We actually have the opportunity to really work both ways. Um, so in many cases, it is the company that says, hey, we've got a 1099 workforce. We want to do it right while we work with the 1099 workforce. Hey, DDI, how can you help us do that? And a great example of that is Walmart came to us years ago and said, how can we work together to help our grocery program? And now we actually help them on the last mile with many, many facets of their different programs consulting to making sure pieces are done right or even providing the automated you know fintech programs to get those drivers paid quickly and accurately um, so we're sort of that third-party auditing partner to keep this relationship done right um, so many companies come to us to invest into the hr support all right good so now we've established that so let me ask you one of the key right. parts one of the key parts of prop 22 was that uber said okay if we if we get this we're going to do a lot of wonderful thing for our drivers regarding benefits and, and other considerations. We could do a whole show on that. Right. But is that a trend? Are you finding that that all of this, uh, you know, AB5 and, and focus in on how independent contractors <laughs> are dealt with, sometimes not particularly friendly, um, have forced some employers to say, you know what, we better get our act together. We better start treating these people better or we're going to have AB5 type laws. Yeah, I love this question, John. You know, I saw it on the list ahead of time. And, you know, and honestly, yes, I think it's a trend. And if you want my opinion on this, I think it's a great trend. And what we're seeing, what like Dara, uh, the CEO over at Uber, often talks about is our need as a country to pursue a third model, not just W 2 employment or 1099, you know, independent status. Um, many other countries have a third way. And California and Prop 22 is, is candidly probably our first steps towards that. So is this a trend? I do believe it 
you know, we saw in the UK, for example, like what a week ago, I believe it was last week, that England had uh, basically had decided that in the case with Uber, that the drivers there uh, for a specific line of the business for the rideshare business, uh, I don't believe it applied to the food uh, delivery sector yet or that conversation is happening. But for the rideshare business in England, Uber has been told that they have not they're not allowed to have independent contractor status. The drivers have to have worker status. Now, what worker status is, is that middle tier between employment in the UK. So they have those three tiers in England in Canada they and uh, Australia. They have versions of what's called a dependent contractor here. And so if you want my opinion, I'm excited for the trend to move towards the, uh, you know, uh, balance between, you know, supporting freedom and independent workers while supporting worker benefits and, and many of the pieces on that side of things as well. Do you think Uber would have pulled out of California had Prop 22 not passed? It's a big market. For a short term. Because they did do it before. We don't, if we remember, and you've probably been covering this industry for a while, they did do it in Texas. They did pull it in Austin for a short term. Um, you know, and they saw the <laughs> and Uber was quick to start to point out when their DUI rates started to go back up in town and things like that, and, you know, accidents. And they pointed out to the government to, you know, renegotiate that. They started leaning on that. Um, I believe it short term, but long term, they would have absolutely try to figure out how to continue to do business. You know, as we uh, pursue and review it, um, employment models for drivers and always look at the, the W-2 side of the equation, many, many, many things would have had to change. The driver's ability to work on multiple platforms, the ability to turn down jobs when you're working, they would have had to re-engineer the whole business because they're truly not, you know, a taxi company. And if they would have been told to be employees in a taxi company, they probably uh, they probably would have had to shut down for a short time, pushed and leveraged and, and brought the bike back. But it was a, what's California, 20, 30, 20% of the revenue? So <laughs> it wouldn't have lasted too long if they did. All right. Last question. What are the things you're looking at most closely right now? Uh, we looked at AB5. We looked at Prop 22. Are there any sort of hidden issues right now? I mean, they, they seem to all be out in the open. We've got the, 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 the Biden rule that might, well, we don't have the Biden rule, but a Biden rule that might replace the Trump rule. We had Prop 22. Uh, we're waiting on uh, the AB5 or the, the court to rule on AB5's uh, relationship to trucking in the state. What are some other big issues that are going on out th there right now that we might not be seeing? Well, uh, it's two-part answer to keep it kind of short. One, my team internally is doing a weekly pass on you know the different government ledgers, on bills being put through, working with our legal R&D firms on what's coming down the pipeline. So we've seen legislative changes proposed and seen when those proposals hit the books and, and reading into those early on. You alluded to Massachusetts and West Virginia, two great examples. We've seen changes proposed in Pennsylvania and uh, North Carolina, if I'm not mistaken, just to pick a couple of states off the top of my head that uh, our teams are looking into. So candidly, it's one of the, the things we have our eye very close on is what uh, the states have are looking at this conversation directly and have pending legislature. Um, secondarily, and right next to this conversation, you know, because it relates to the benefits side of the, of the 1099 relationship we haven't talked about much today, is benefits and insurance and, and disability funds. And some of those are addressed in certain ways, like Prop 22 has some pieces to what happens if you get hurt, for example. But I anticipate further conversations over the next year 
or two, uh, specifically around growing benefits conversations. Okay, great, you're independent, but what happens? Do you have, you know, when you're hurt, do you have an unemployment reserve state fund or pool to turn to? And, you know, we're, we're anticipating and talking to like our tech teams on how to, you know, start to maybe make sure we have a certain percentage of funds that are deposited into state reserve accounts for drivers and things like that. Again, more complexity and uh, more, you know, red tape, as it were, into this uh, HR issue. More work for lawyers, more work, uh, more work for experts like yourself, and hopefully more readers for us as we write about it here at FreightWaves. That's so. in many ways right. Well, we want to thank Aaron Hageman. He's the CEO of Delivery Drivers, Inc., and he has been with us today on Drilling Deep, talking about the latest status, uh, the, the latest confusion uh, surrounding independent contractors. You have been listening to Drilling Deep. Drilling Deep is part of the FreightCast family of podcasts from FreightWaves. You can find us on all the major platforms for podcasts. I'm your host, John Kingston, and please join us again. <laughs>